Well, good evening, everybody. It's good to see so many of you here this evening. Um, the rain might have something to do with it. I don't know. But whatever brought you here, for, from whatever means, I'm glad to see you here this evening. I do want to take a moment to say hello to the Allison campus on Sunday morning and also to anybody watching on YouTube or on iTunes or the other internet places that our church is kind of hanging out. Thanks for tuning in. Um, this weekend, I want to talk to you about trust. And it's something that um, we all have to do daily, whether you realize it or not. Um, my parents are here visiting me this weekend, which is exciting for me. And yay! <laughs> Joan and David, they're great. Um, and so whenever I, um, I've actually preached on trust a couple of years ago. My parents were at that service as well. And um, I like to pick on my dad a little bit just when I start off this, this message. Um, dad is a little bit... Um, we kind of like poke fun at him, that like he can be a little bit obsessive compulsive. Like other people might resonate with that in the room, but um, I don't know how many of you here have those um, electric locks for your car. Anybody have those on their car? You push the button and it, like it might beep at you or something and everything locks. Um, for myself, now maybe I'm not being as safe as I should be, but when I push that button and I hear the sound, I just walk away. Um, my dad doesn't. Uh, when dad pushes the button, he doesn't trust his technology to do what it what it says it's going to do, so he'll actually walk around and check every single door, maybe twice, just to make sure that everything is locked before he goes in. It doesn't matter if he's in, like, downtown Boston or if he's, like, in Outport, Newfoundland. He'll still do that, which cracks me right up, and sometimes I give him a hard time of, like, Dad, like, why are you, tr like, why, why aren't you trusting that this is going to do its thing? Um, it's just kind of something he does, and I just think it's kind of funny. Um, I don't tend to do that. I just kind of trust that it's going to work. Um, all of you, when you came in, did anybody check the chair before you sat on it? Oh, you did? Okay, okay, someone did. Most of us, when I talk to children about trust, most people don't, um, you know, push on the chair and make sure it can handle, maybe it's like a really, like, sketchy looking chair, you might, but like, generally speaking, you come in and you just sit down and you're trusting that that is going to hold you up. And uh, when I was in grade 8, actually, I had a teacher, and I had some not very nice kids in my class, and there was a broken chair in the room, so they put it at my teacher's desk. And uh, she came in and trusted the thing, and she went to sit down, and she went to the ground. So I don't know, maybe now she, she checks the chairs before she sits on them. You know, the truth is, really, all of us, whether it's something silly like a chair or checking car doors or it's something a little bit more serious, um, all of us can have trust issues in our life in one way or another. If you've been in a car accident before, it can be a while before you can start trusting um, your own driving ability and also the other drivers around you. Um, after the September 11th attacks happened, it was really hard for people to trust airplanes and airport security and all of that stuff. If a friend or a family member has let you down in a fairly substantial way, it can take months or even years before you can start trusting that person again. I have... Um, several stories in my life now where I've had to trust God in fairly large ways, um, not in something as little as making sure my, my car is locked, but um, a couple, I guess two and a half, three years ago when I was getting ready to graduate from Acadia Divinity College, I had to trust that God had a plan for my future. Um, it was really only the second time in my life up to that point that I had to trust God for something like pretty big. Um, going to school post-secondary for seven years and not being quite sure what's on the other end of that, it can get really unnervy and really scary. And it was really, it wasn't easy at, at that time in my life to really say, like, I'm fully trusting God to see me through and to bring me where he wants me to go. 
The Bible is filled with examples of trust issues between God and his people. Um, One of the best examples of this is in the book of Joshua. And if you have your Bibles with you, you can uh, turn to Joshua 6. Or if you have the uh, YouVersion app on your phone, I did make an outline. (laughs) The last few weeks I've noticed I keep looking and there hasn't been sermon outlines on there. There is one on the Bible app. If you have your smart device, you can look it up and follow along with the message tonight. Um, In the book of Joshua, um, there are two stories back-to-back that clearly show what happened to the Israelite people when they trusted God, and then what happened when some of them didn't. Throughout the Israelite story in the Old Testament, God gives very specific instructions to his people. When they follow these specific instructions, things tend to go pretty well for them. Um, When they don't, things go downhill really quick, and if you read the Old Testament at all, you can kind of see this pattern. Um, So the two stories I want to focus on tonight are actually in Joshua chapter 6 and 7. And some of this you're going to know quite well. So in Joshua 6, God gives the Israelites very specific commands for overtaking the city of Jericho. And he told them everything, from how many times to march around the walls, to what noises to make when. Um, All of this is described in excruciating detail to Joshua and to the people of Israel. The Israelites are very careful to do exactly as God commanded them. They trusted that he knew the way to victory. And in the end, they were right. God did know the way. Because the Israelites trusted in God's plan, the walls of Jericho came down, something that seemed impossible, and Israel took the city. Now, this is in steep contrast to what happens in the next chapter, in Joshua chapter 7. And um, there's a little story in there about a guy by the name of Achan. I think I'm saying that right, but Brent's not here to tell me otherwise, so we're going to go with Achan. (laughs) Achan was an Israelite who didn't quite understand all of God's seemingly pointless instructions. When the Israelites overtook Jericho, God gave them a specific command. He told them to destroy everything that they found inside of Jericho. But Achan didn't really understand why. He's like, why would God want us to get rid of all this, like, seemingly nice stuff? Like, it doesn't quite make sense to me. Um, So he thought, you know, it would make logical sense to keep a couple of things from the city. Maybe, you know, a robe here, some silver or gold there. Just, you know, a couple of mementos of of this great thing that's happened. Achan obviously had no idea what his lack of trust in God's instruction would mean for him and for his people. Because of Achan's disobeying God and his sin, the Israelites lost many of their people in another battle with Ai, which was another city that they tried to overtake. Now, they lost this battle. Jericho was so easy. They walked around, they blew the horns, and down she comes. And then they tried to fight Ai, and it it didn't work. Like, they lost a bunch of their people. They had to retreat. It was like a big mess. Um, And they lost this battle because God wasn't with them in that. When Achan sinned, God's presence left the Israelites. And Joshua didn't quite know what was going on first. He's like, this doesn't make sense. Like, God was just with us. The walls came down now. What is going on? Um, And then Joshua found out what happened. He found out that this fellow by the name of Achan uh, didn't listen to what God told him to do. So when Joshua found out, um, Achan and his entire family were stoned to death. And that was so that the evil could be removed from the Israelites and God's presence would return to them. This is quite an extreme story. Somebody takes a robe and some gold and they're getting stoned. (laughs) Now, I'm not saying that we're all going to get stoned to death if we don't trust what God tells us to do when we wake up tomorrow. But I do know that God's presence is near to us when we trust in his plans. 
I do know that if God asks us to trust him and we cower in fear or we just go against him and do something different, his spirit will not be with us as closely and things will not go as well for us. But if we trust God, even if we think it's impossible, he can work it out. Like even if we're thinking we're walking around this building and it's going to fall down, like, okay. Um, even if we trust him when it seems silly, we're going to discover that with God, all things are possible. If God can make the walls of Jericho fall to the ground, he can come up for, he can come up with a plan for my future in pastoral ministry. And as all you guys know, the end of the story, he did. <laughs> so there are three lessons um, in uh, these stories in Joshua 6 and 7 that I think we can just talk through really quickly that will help us to elevate our trust in God as we, um, you know, not necessarily try to take over other nations for God, but as we go about our life and try to learn how to better follow him day to day. The first thing that we need to do to elevate our trust in God is we need to believe that we are on the winning team. God, you see, when he talked to Joshua about Jericho, God told Joshua that Jericho was already delivered into his hands. The enemy was already defeated, even though Joshua couldn't yet see it. What confidence this must have given Joshua as he went into battle. We should have this same confidence when trusting God to do his work. Our enemy, Satan, has already been defeated by Christ. The enemy has already been won. So really, we have nothing to fear when we're following God. In Romans 8, verse 37, it says that in all things, we are more than conquerors. Although we still fight battles every day and sin does still run rampant in the world, we have the assurance that the war has already been won. We do not have to be paralyzed by the power of a defeated enemy. We can overcome him through Christ's power. If we believe that God's team is the winning team, which, sidebar, it is, um, then trusting in him should come more easily to us. So the first thing is believe God has won and we are on the right side. The second thing we need to do is to depend on God for everything. Why did God give Joshua all of these complicated instructions for the battle of Jericho? Why is so much of the Old Testament really specific instructions of little things you have to do? I think it was because this, this very strange military maneuver of just walking around walls in silence, um, it was a test of the Israelites' faith and their willingness to trust God completely. If they sat back and thought about it logically for too long, they probably would have been like, this is really dumb. Um, and actually, if you watch the VeggieTales version of this uh, story, they kind of look at each other like, we're going to walk around in silence? That Okay. And they, they just kind of do it anyway. But... Depending on God means that you do what he asks you to do, even though if at the time it seems really silly. Now, in the book of Numbers, in chapter 10, verse 9, it says that the blowing of horns, which the priests did on the final march around Jericho, um, has religious significance. It reminds them that their victory would come from the Lord and not from their own military might. So in doing this song and dance for seven days, it was very clear that God was the one giving this giving them this victory. It wasn't them and their military might because they didn't really do much. They just went for a walk for seven days and down came the walls. So it was very clear in this kind of, uh, you know, maneuver of an army that it was all God and it wasn't them doing it at all. Similarly, back to my own story for a minute, as my graduation day drew near at Acadia, it was very tempting for me to scramble for a backup plan, something that seemed steady and sure um, just in case, like, God's, like, awesome, this best plan for me, like, didn't come through or didn't show up. 
But in the end, I had to surrender everything to him and let him do his thing. Looking back, it actually doesn't make sense that everything worked out as perfectly as it did for my story when I was finishing Acadia and eventually finding myself here. Um, I am right now where I was created to be. I'm where God wants me to be right now. And there's absolutely no way on my own that I could have orchestrated this to work out the way it did. It was definitely all of God's doing, and it took a full surrender, not knowing what the future was going to hold, to really land me in the place that he wanted me to be. So depending on God for everything, it can be tough when you're not sure what's coming, but in the end, it can, um, doing that and trusting in God with your future can really come through in the end. The third thing we have to do, it seems really obvious, but sometimes we're really bad at this, is we have to listen. Another question for you. Why did God demand that the Israelites destroy almost everyone and everything in Jericho? And this is what Achan didn't do. Um, Achan mightn't have known this, but God was actually working out another plan when he let the Israelites take over Jericho. God was carrying out severe judgment against the wickedness of the Canaanites that lived inside of Jericho. This judgment of God required that everything would be destroyed. By disobeying God's directions, Achan messed up God's plans for a whole other situation that he had absolutely no knowledge of. As with Achan, it can be the same way with us. In life, we cannot always see the big picture. We can't see the Canaanites and what God's plan is for them. But God can. He can see your future, my future, the future of this church, of this city, this nation, and beyond. And that is why it just makes so much more sense for us to trust in God's judgment instead of our own. Now notice the results of Achan's sin again. Many men in the Israelite army died because of Achan's sin. Israel's army melted in fear and retreated because of Achan's sin. Joshua even questions God in Joshua 6 because of Achan's sin. God threatened to withdraw his presence from the people because of Achan's sin. And Achan and his family were stoned to death because of his sin. Achan completely underestimated God, and he did not take his commands seriously. Taking a robe along with some silver and gold may have seemed like a small thing to him, it, it must have, but the effects of his sin were felt by the entire nation, and especially, most closely, his own family. If he had only listened to Joshua's very clear instructions, all of his misfortunes would have been completely avoided. Like Achan, our actions affect more people than just us. And anyone that's been on this earth for any amount of time knows that if something messes up in your own life, it's not just you it affects, it does affect the people around you. If we refuse to listen to God and trust his ways, there is no telling what misfortunes may come our way. In order to fully trust God, we have to listen when he speaks to us. Whether it's listening to him through prayer, through his word, through worship, um, or just through a friend, having a conversation with a friend. Trusting in God involves obeying his voice when he speaks. So just for a little recap for you. In order for us to trust in God, we have to believe in God's ability to care for us. We must depend on him for everything. And we must listen to his instructions for us. My faith was stretched in a very big way in my final months when I was at Acadia. Two and a half years ago, I never would have told you that I'd be working in a multi-site, multi-staff church overseeing children, youth, and young adult ministries. I would have said that is way beyond my experience and ability. That is not possible. That will not happen. But God seemed to think differently. 
because after being here for just about two years, I can't imagine being anywhere else. If I didn't believe in, depend on, and listen to God, I really don't know where I would have ended up or where I would be standing today. I don't know, um, for those of you here and those watching uh, the video, what life is handing you these days. But I do know that if your life is feeling out of control, or if you feel like there is no possible way things could end well for you in the situation you're in, then you need to stop and take a breath and put your whole trust in God. Believe in him, depend on him, and listen to him. Because God knows the master plan. He created them. And his plans are far better than anything you could possibly work out for yourself. If you seek him and trust him with your future, he will see you through to a brighter and better future that you could never even dream of. So in closing, I want to read uh, one of my favorite psalms, the start of it. It's uh, Psalm 40, verses 1 to 5. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you have planned for us. Let's take a moment and pray. God, thank you so much um, that you love us enough to take care of us, God, when we are going through uh, the trials and questions of life. Thank you, God, that you're not, that you're so big that you have control of the universe and you have the power to move mountains, but you still care about us individually as people and the trials that we are facing. God, I just pray that as um, each of us seek to grow closer to you and to follow you more closely, that you will help us to listen to you and to depend on you and to believe, God, that we're already on the winning team. We do not have a war to win here. It has already been won through Jesus. God, I just pray you will help us to remember that. And when you speak to us, God, help us to listen to you, to your commands. Help us to follow your will, God, so that we can live in your light and we can live um, out the plans that you have made for us before we were ever even born. I just thank you so much for the people gathered here. And as we continue in our worship together, I just pray that your spirit will be here, that you will speak to us, God, and that you will help us as we leave to trust in you more. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.